T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. He may be the most understated Supreme Court justice in our lifetime. Influential, collegial, but very much under the radar in a court filled with big personalities. This week, Stephen Breyer announced his intention to retire at the end of the current term this summer. While honoring Justice Breyer for his decades of service to America, President Biden also made clear... The person I will nominate will be someone with extraordinary qualifications character, experience, and integrity. And that person will be the first black woman ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court. For a president used to dealing with a pandemic, inflation, and Russian troops on the border with Ukraine? Uh, This is generally probably going to be good press for the president, for the Democrats, uh, in contrast to some of the bad press that that, uh, they've been getting uh, the last little while. So maybe they'd actually... Uh, not want to uh, accelerate it unduly. This week on 880 In-Depth, a changing of the guard of the liberal wing of the U.S. Supreme Court and a window into the high court as one of its most veteran justices steps down. Of course people don't agree, but we have a country that is based on human rights, democracy, and so forth. But I'll tell you what Lincoln thought, what Washington thought, and what people today still think. It's an experiment. Welcome to 880 In-Depth. I'm Tim Scheld. By most accounts, Stephen Breyer informed the White House of his intention to retire days ago. And while it wasn't his plan, the news leaked out Thursday of this week, which required on Friday. This is a CBS News special report. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer will make his retirement plans official today at the White House ceremony where President Biden will make a formal announcement. CBS News has learned that Breyer has formally handed the president his letter of resignation and will step down at the end of the court's current term this summer. There's that letter. Well, the 83-year-old Breyer was nominated to the nation's highest court by President Bill Clinton in 1994, and he has been a mainstay of the court's liberal wing. His retirement gives President Biden the chance to fulfill a campaign promise and appoint the first black female Supreme Court justice. This uh, announcement came, I think, earlier than um, than Justice Breyer probably wanted. He told uh, President Biden apparently last week and uh, didn't necessarily want to make the announcement public so soon, but there was a leak. Ilya Shapiro is vice president of the libertarian think tank, the Cato Institute. He is also the author of Supreme Disorder, 
a book about power and politics and the Supreme Court. He spoke with our Peter Haskell. Presumably he'll serve out the term, and so realistically the timeline is you know, five months until the end of June, effectively. Uh, so there's no need to rush, uh, and of course Democrats do have their slim uh, majority um, in the Senate during this whole period. So I imagine that uh, the president and his team will be interviewing candidates. Uh, then there will be an announcement of a nominee in a, in a, in a month or so, and, and we'll have the, the normal confirmation process. Good afternoon. I begin by recognizing both Dr. Breyer, Dr. Biden, <laughs> and uh, uh, for being here. And uh, I can't tell you, this is sort of a bittersweet day for me. Uh, Justice Breyer and I go back a long way. There's no, there's no rush to get a someone confirmed, you know, before the election, say, uh, as as happened with uh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, or any other timing issues like that. Um, there's not you know, currently a vacancy. Breyer is doing his job. He'll, he'll finish out the, the term. Um, so I think they just wanted, we'll, we'll want to do it in, in kind of the normal course. It'll take, you know, in total, it could take, you know, two months or so, three months. Um, but certainly there, there's plenty of time. And um, uh, this is generally probably going to be good press for the president, for the Democrats, uh, in contrast to some of the bad press that, that, uh, they've been getting uh, the last little while, so maybe they, they'd actually uh, not want to uh, accelerate it unduly. Uh, the Republicans, um, there's not much they can do to stop it or, or, or to slow it down. Uh, and uh, you know, the, the various people that are that are being uh, uh, thrown around as, as a short list, um, uh, you know, unless something unusual uh, comes out about them, um, it's, it's hard to see them being stopped. Is there something the Republicans can do or would want to do to gum up the process or make this more difficult or muddy the waters or anything? Um, you know, probably not. Uh, uh, the Democrats tried with uh, the last several uh, nominees, and obviously they were hugely controversial, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, but... Um, control of the Senate, having a majority of the votes, is really the, the coin of the realm. There was a report in Axios this morning. Basically, the Republicans would try to hurt Democratic senators who are up for election. Do you think that is become that is something that might come into play and is feasible? Um, well, they'll, the judges uh, uh, and the Supreme Court uh, has tended have tended to be a winning issue for Republicans, and so um, uh, certainly they'll they'll run on you know what kind of justices do we want? Uh, do we want uh, you know more like uh, you know Alito and Gorsuch and Thomas, or, or more like Sotomayor? Um, but you know it, it's hard to see any Democrats voting against. Um, uh, the nominee, whoever whoever it is. From an outsider's perspective, it seems this whole nomination process is becoming more partisan. Is that necessarily the case? Uh, that's that's probably right. We're at, we're at the culmination of several trends where divergent interpretive theories map onto partisan preferences at a time when the parties are more ideologically sorted than they've been uh, since the Civil War. 
And so uh, although the judges and justices do not act in a partisan manner, um, the sorts of judges and justices who are nominated uh, certainly uh, uh, differ and and, and align uh, according to, to party. Is that good or bad for the country? It's not a good thing for the country um, because judging and, and, and jurisprudence, the law is supposed to be different than simply politics. Uh, but it's a symptom of, of larger issues. It's not something that's uh, uh, you know, something that's wrong in the legal community or, or with uh, uh, you know, candidates for the court. How do we how do we try to fix that? How do we try to make this less blatantly partisan? I mean, the only the only way to do it is to have uh, the stakes be lower. Um, that is for the Supreme Court to not to rule on so many of the major issues in American public life uh, every year. Um, enforce federalism and separation of powers, so uh, more decisions are, are taken at state and local levels, and and also by Congress rather than uh, within the executive branch. Now, that's not an easy or an overnight or a simple. Uh, a solution, but but ultimately that's the only way you're going to uh, defuse these fights. I'm here today to express the nation's gratitude to Justice Stephen Breyer for his remarkable career of public service and his clear-eyed commitment to making our country's laws work for its people. For his part, President Biden made good on a promise he made during the presidential campaign. Choosing someone to sit in the Supreme Court I believe it is one of the most serious constitutional responsibility a president has. Our process is going to be rigorous. I will select a nominee worthy of Justice Breyer's legacy of excellence and decency. While I've been studying candidates' backgrounds and writings, I've made no decision except one. The person I will nominate will be someone with extraordinary qualifications, character, experience, and integrity. And that person will be the first black woman ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court. It's long overdue in my view. I made that commitment during the campaign for president, and I will keep that commitment. I will fully do what I said I'd do. I will fulfill my duty to select a justice, not only with the Senate's consent, but with his advice. You've heard me say in other nomination processes that the Constitution says seek the advice and consent, but the advice as well of the Senate. I'm going to invite senators from both parties to offer their ideas and points of view. I'll also consult with leading scholars and lawyers. And I'm fortunate to have advising me in the selection process, Vice President Kamala Harris. She's an exceptional lawyer, former Attorney General of the State of California, former member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. I will listen carefully to all the advice I'm given. And I'll study the records and former cases carefully. I'll meet with the potential nominees. And it is my intention, my intention to announce my decision before the end of February. I have made no choice at this point. Once I select a nominee, I'll ask the Senate to move promptly on my choice. In the end, I will nominate a historic candidate, someone who's worthy of Justice Breyer's legacy, and someone who, like Justice Breyer, will provide incredible service on the United States Supreme Court. The president during the campaign said that he would nominate a black woman if he had a chance. Uh, two things. Is that a, is it appropriate for him to telegraph like that? Is that a big deal? And is this a, a, a good thing to have a black woman on the high court? 
Um, I, I think it's uh, it's unfortunate that that he limited himself in those ways by those types of, of characteristics. Um, you know, eliminating uh, very qualified jurists from day one because of their their race and sex. Um, it would be historic to have a black woman on the court, to be sure, and there are uh, several uh, qualified candidates for that role. But it would have been better, you know, not to say ahead of time that uh, I'm going to pick a black woman, and then you know, if, if one is picked, that uh, that would only enhance her stature if, if if the selection process wasn't limited. The Cato Institute's Ilya Shapiro. Well, presumably his successor will be more liberal, more progressive, uh, more on the left, which you know marginally shifts the court, I suppose, on uh, not necessarily in the vote count. The vote count will still be you know what it is in any given case, um, but the the quality and tenor of, of dissent, say, uh, would probably be uh, be different. And as, as Justice uh, Byron White uh, used to say, every new justice makes for a new court. So even beyond what we see superficially with vote counts, the uh, the internal dynamic behind the scenes. Uh, I'm sure it will be changed, and you know it depends. Different justices are more uh, influential behind the scenes uh, with their colleagues. And how was Breyer? Was he more influential than your average justice, or pretty much the same? How do you see that? Um, I think he was well liked. He is well liked. Um, he's pragmatic. Um, uh, you know, he and Kagan famously came up with a compromise with Chief Justice Roberts of the Obamacare case uh, a decade ago. Um, you know, he's, he's thought of as an expert in, the, in administrative law and, uh, uh, and a nice man. Um, certainly didn't, uh, you know, turn off uh, colleagues like uh, some historically uh, justices have. And what is his legacy on the high court? Um, he's a bit of a throwback, um, you know, a, a man of his generation, um, uh, steeped in uh, the, the post-Watergate battles uh, over law and politics, um, uh, fairly deferential to government and, and to the and to the administrative state. Um, you know, uh, doesn't have as high a profile as, as many of his colleagues. Uh, uh, doesn't write in a way that um, either wins uh, applause or, or criticism uh, necessarily, but. Um, uh, his legacy is being kind of a, a, a solid uh, judge, uh, you know, firmly on on the left side of the court. Breyer's public moment came this week at the White House as he stood with the president to announce the retirement. Justice Breyer, on behalf of all the American people, I want to thank you and your family and your family for your tremendous service to our nation. I'm going to yield the floor to you, Mr. Justice. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. That is terribly nice. And uh, believe me, I hold it right here. <laughs> it's wonderful. He referenced his love of speaking to students of all ages and shared thoughts about his time on the court and this time in the United States. This is a complicated country. There are more than 330 million people, and my mother used to say it's every race, it's every religion, and she would emphasize this, and it's every point of view possible. And uh, it's a kind of miracle when you sit there and see all those people in front of you, people that are so different in what they think, and yet they've decided to help solve their major differences 
under law. And when the students get too cynical, I say, go, go look at what happens in countries that don't do that. And that's there. I can't take this around in my job. People have come to accept this Constitution, and they've come to accept the importance of a rule of law. And I want to make another point to them. I want to say, look, uh, of course people don't agree, but we have a country that is based on human rights, democracy, and so forth. But I'll tell you what Lincoln thought, what Washington thought, and what people today still think. It's an experiment. It's an experiment. That's what they said. And Joanna paid each of our grandchildren a certain amount of money to memorize the Gettysburg Address. And the, the reason, the reason that, that, that what we want them to pick up there and what I want those students to pick up, if I can remember the first two lines, is that four, four score and seven years ago our fathers brought up... Uh, created upon this uh, uh, here a new country, a country that was dedicated uh, to uh, liberty and the proposition that all men are created equal, conceived in liberty, those are his words, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. He meant women too. And uh, we are now engaged in a great civil war to determine whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. See, those are the words I want. To see. An experiment. And that's what he thought. It's an experiment. And I found some letters that George Washington wrote where he said the same thing. It's an experiment. That experiment existed then because even the liberals in Europe, you know, they're looking over here and they're saying it's a great idea in principle, but it'll never work. Uh, but we'll show them it does. That's what Washington thought. And that's what Lincoln thought. And that's what people still think today. And I say, well, I want you, and I'm talking to the students now. I say, I want you to pick just this up. It's an experiment that's still going on. And I'll tell you something. You know who will see whether that experiment works? It's you, my friend. It's you, Mr. High School student. It's you, Mr. College student. It's you, Mr. Law School students. It's us, but it's you. It's that next generation and the one after that. My grandchildren and their children. They'll determine whether the experiment still works. And, of course, I am an optimist, and I'm pretty sure it will. Does it surprise you that that's the thought that comes into my mind today? I don't know, but thank you. Longtime court watcher, CBS correspondent Jan Crawford. That speech, I mean, that was classic Stephen Breyer. And we talk about his many lifetime of public service, but that right there is another public service he provides. He goes out and talks to school groups, legal organizations, colleges, universities about the importance of the rule of law and looking to law to really work through our many differences. As President Biden pointed out, you know, he was a model uh, of civility at a time of great division. And obviously there is great division on the United States Supreme Court, and there has been since Breyer joined that court. But what he has done for that court is try to bridge some of that division. He's known for, you know, kind of walking down the hall and popping his head in the justices' chambers to, to hash through a case. The other justices don't do that. He has warm, friendly relationships with all of them. He is well-liked, he's engaged, and he had a tremendous impact on his, that court, uh, not only for his writings and his opinions, but his willingness to listen and engage with his colleagues. Mm -hmm. 
As for who might take his place and how that process will likely go for President Biden, here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. Got to keep in mind, too, the fact that he reminded us that he's known Justice Breyer since the 1970s. This is a president who campaigned on his foreign policy experience. One could argue, though, he has far more experience in what he's about to launch into, and that is selecting a federal judge to sit or somebody to sit on the Supreme Court. Since the 1970s, when he joined the Senate, all the way through 2009, when he resigned, every federal judge or Supreme Court justice who was nominated by a president would have passed over Senator Biden's desk. And for eight years as vice president, he was intimately involved in the process with Barack Obama. So this is somebody who knows what he's looking for, knows the questions to ask, and is going to relish this opportunity. And the idea that he's going to bring in the opinions of his fellow uh, former senators, uh, Senate colleagues, we'll see about that. There has been signals from Republicans that they're not really interested in engaging in this. Lindsey Graham saying that as long as all 50 Democratic senators and the vice president are on board, they don't need Republicans. Let's see if the olive branch is accepted by Republicans and they weigh in and the president listens to them. But we know that there are a handful of names under consideration. Uh, Jan mentioned Justice Jackson, who sits here in Washington. Certainly uh, Judge Childs from South Carolina is a sentimental favorite of Jim Clyburn. Uh, Leandra Kruger has connections to Vice President Harris because as Attorney General of California, the Vice President put uh, Judge Kru- Justice Kruger on the High Court of the Golden State. Uh, and Candace Jackson Nakawumi, another recently confirmed justice uh, to, the Supreme, uh, to the Court of Appeals in Chicago, uh, is another name to watch as well. The fact that they have been vetted recently by this White House, uh, that the president is more recently familiar with their experience, certainly will be a benefit. But given what he said today, it looks like he may be casting a wide net and is willing to listen to just about anyone. By the way, after Justice Breyer made his inspiring remarks about Lincoln's Gettysburg Address... I don't know that you've ever been to the White House in the Lincoln bedroom, but I invite both of you to come and stay. The Lincoln bedroom has, against the wall between the windows, looking out, a handwritten copy of the Gettysburg Address written by Lincoln in that bedroom, allegedly, as I said, the, the sitting room. And so you got to come and see it. And even if you can't come and say, bring your grandchildren so they can see it as well. Thank you all so very, very much for being here. And I'm not going to take any questions because I think it's inappropriate to uh, take questions uh, with the justice here. He's still sitting on the bench. And I'm going to give you the mask back. And, uh, but you'll have plenty of opportunities to get me later today and for the rest of the week next week, too. So thank you very much. Thank you. Eight eighty in depth is a production of WCBS News Radio eight eighty. Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Scheld, are the executive producers. Subscribe to the podcast to listen to us each week on your time. Look for 880 In-Depth wherever you get your audio. Thank you for listening, and please be safe.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.